That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. That is this morning's Bible reading from Mark chapter 4. And uh, everything this morning, as per norm, I guess, uh, will be on the screens for you. However, if you do have your Bibles here this morning, feel free to take those out. I realize that many of us have our electronic devices these days. Feel free to take those out as well. But once again, thank you so much, Steve, Belinda, the team here at Southport Church of Christ. It's, uh, it's very surreal, uh, I want you to know, for, for me to be here. It, uh, it feels like home. And I know if you came to our church in Launceston, in Tasmania, you would also feel very much at home. Speaking of Tasmania, how many people have heard? No, how many people have been to Tasmania? You've been to Tasmania? Fantastic. For those who haven't, why not? Um, <laughs> we, we need you. We need your tourist dollars. Um, and uh, we rely a lot on tourism. And so uh, feel free to come and uh, see us anytime. It is a beautiful, beautiful state. And uh, contrary to popular belief, you do not need a passport. And so uh, come and join us down there at any time. Hey, um, today in Mark chapter 4, that's the Bible reading, uh, straight from Mark chapter 4. And uh, this particular uh, passage is also found in the book of Matthew as well. And today's topic, I want you to know, is all about God. It's all about God. This morning, we're not going to have a look at five steps to a better marriage or uh, three secrets to a happier single life or six minutes abs. We're not going to go there, all right? This message is all about God. It's about His goodness. It's about His grace. It's about His love. It's about His holiness. It's about His glory. Yet the irony of this is that you can't actually do a topic all about God with, in fact, it's about being all about you, us. Because God is all about us. You see, God's desire, his desire is to be known. And it's really um, uh, to, he hasn't kept his identity from us. He doesn't play the game of hide and seek. Remember that game as children. 
in his not wears Wally. It's, 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 he makes us, he's made us in his own image and he's announced himself knowable by, uh, first of all, revealing his nature in his book, the Holy Word, the, the Bible, and by showing up on this earth in the person of Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. Let me pray. Father, we do commit this time to you. We pray, well, my prayer is for each and every person who hears this message today, that we would, um, you would prepare our hearts. We come before you acknowledging your, your word, that your word is alive and active. We pray that you, you would be the one who would teach us, that you would be the one who would feed us, but most of all, you would equip us to therefore go, to act upon the word in which we're about to open in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. And so the essential purpose of God's Word is, is to give us revelation of God. So we gain an understanding of who He is and what He is like. And this morning, we're going to look at one of the many names of God, just very briefly anyway. Uh, because the names of God tell us a story about God. And to know God's name is, in fact, to know God. And a name, especially in early Bible times, a name is important for it reveals one's identity. For example, let's get to know each other just a little bit more. I, like you, am called many things. First of all, many people call me Steve. My family still call me Stephen with a PH. Um, I'm a husband, I'm a father, brother, uncle, I'm a great uncle. I think we're up to, to four, maybe, maybe even more. Anyway, uh, I'm a great uncle to these children anyway. I'm a son. Uh, I mentioned before about being a runner. I'm a friend, I'm a pastor, and being ordained in Churches of Christ Australia, we have a, a, a title uh, that they give to us, and that is the word reverend. And so each of those names reveal something about me. But as I mentioned, the same also goes for you. You think about the many names that you have. And as you think about that, let's look at the very first name of God, which is given to us in the very first book of the Bible, in the very first chapter of the Bible, in the very first verse of the Bible. Genesis chapter 1, the name Elohim. Elohim. Have you heard that name before? Elohim. Now, this is used 35 times in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. But throughout Scripture, this name of God, Elohim, is in fact used two and a half thousand times. And so in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, let's have a look at that. In the beginning, God. Let's start there. In the beginning, God. You know, throughout life, um, you know, people come to you and ask, well, where did, where did God come from? Where did God come from? Well, you could keep going back, no matter how many answers you have for that. You know, you keep going. But my satisfaction is there. Being a follower of God and trusting the Word of God in my life, my satisfaction is there. That in the beginning, God. 
What did he do? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so the Hebrew word for God here, in the beginning, God, the Hebrew word is that word Elohim. Elo, let's break it up. Elo, meaning great or almighty or uh, strong or supreme. Now, this is significant. Elohim, the second part of this word, Elohim, this is significant because it's a plural ending. You see, in the Hebrew, it's indicating more than just one. Hang in there. Elohim, Elohim, literally means almighty gods. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 would probably be more accurately um, translated that in the beginning, mighty gods created the heavens and the earth. Hang there just for a moment. Because what I'm, what I'm saying here is that the first few chapters of this book of Genesis, all three persons of the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, are involved in creation. And we're going to talk about creation just in a moment. But the question you have to ask here, in the very first chapter, in the very first verse, this name of God, why would God introduce himself to mankind as Elohim? Maybe this morning, maybe my suggestion to you is part of the answer to this particular question that he wants us to know. That he is transcendent. It's a big word, isn't it? But in fact, it means that he is distinct from all creation. That he sits above his creation. Maybe that's why. Maybe that's why. That in Isaiah chapter 66, it says that uh, heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool. Very good. And so, he is in fact bigger and greater and mightier than our minds can grasp a hold of. You see, here's what happens, isn't it? Isn't it? Is that when I understand, when we understand, when we understand the God that we serve and the God that we worship, here's what happens. I don't know about you, but when I start to understand a little bit more about it, I'll never fully understand how great He is. But here's what happens when I get a glimpse that I start to live a little differently, that I start to process life differently, that I go through the storms of life differently. And so my perspective changes because I view my situation through the lens of the God that I know and the God that I Serve, where all of a sudden that thing that I am going through that looked so big to me through my own eyes that it's only when that I see it through the eyes of Elohim that I in fact realize it's in fact just a, a small thing to an almighty God. All right, here we are on the Gold Coast, we find ourselves, and uh, the amount of water activities that you have here compared to us in Tasmania, and there's a reason for that, maybe to do with the weather, 
um, and uh, fascinated by just how much you get up to on the water. Just with a bit of a show of hands, how many people kind of like the idea of water activities, whether it's in a boat, in the water, skiing, ski biscuit? Yeah, thank you. So quite a few. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's, you know, of course, uh, you know, it recharges maybe you. It's a recreational activity. It's relaxing. It's, a, it's, a, it's something that refills those tanks of energy that you need to, uh, to fill every now and again. Some of us might even like going fishing. Where's our fisher people? Fishy, you like going fishing? Yeah, excellent. Once again, it fills your tank, um, skiing and things like that. But it was on one of these, on a boat, um, that Jesus finds himself, and we've seen the, the, the clip here this morning, Jesus is sleeping in Mark chapter 4. And it was the end of a busy day, and Jesus is showing a beautiful sign of his humanness here. He'd been teaching for those teachers in the room. You ask any teacher in this room um, how exhausting teaching can get. Uh, and well-deserved holidays throughout the year. They need those to refill their energy. So Jesus was teaching and performing healings, and uh, he was exhausted. And um, he gets into this boat, a very common thing to do. It was quiet and it was peaceful, and he's asleep. And by the way, um, just a couple of things about the Sea of Galilee. I don't know if you know much about the Sea of Galilee. Of course, Jesus would often get into a boat and teach from there because the crowds would just you know, uh, engulf him in a way, and he would speak, and his, his voice would reflect off of the water. Uh, in fact, uh, 60 to 70% of Jesus' ministry is, is taken either on or surrounding uh, areas of, of the Sea of Galilee. And so um, this was, in fact, a, a freshwater lake. How many people have been there? Anyone been? Yeah, so you know what I'm talking about. In fact, this is the lowest freshwater lake on the planet, 682 feet below sea level. And so... There's been a lot of research into the Sea of Galilee. It's a lake. Um, and, you know, the incredible things that they're still finding out about its unique properties. And so it's surrounded by mountains and it sits kind of like in a bowl. And so um, the Sea of Galilee is pristine, fresh water. It's a tremendous resource of, uh, of both water, of course, but also uh, fish, uh, and still to today, providing for Israel. Um, scientists have studied and researched uh, the Sea of Galilee over years, and it's different, in fact, to all other bodies of water in the world. And what particularly makes the Sea of Galilee unique is the fact that it's subject to very, very severe winds. And so here's, this happens to be the place uh, where Jesus, uh, in fact, it couldn't be a better place for Jesus to demonstrate his power over nature. And so suddenly, here Jesus is on a boat, and suddenly out of nowhere, a giant storm comes along. starts pouring. The winds are coming. The waves are crashing over the side of the boat. The disciples are scared. 
they're panicking, they're thinking they're going, they're going to sink and they look at Jesus, what's Jesus doing? Jesus is sleeping in the stern of the boat. They can't believe that he's sleeping in the midst of this. So the disciples, what do they try to do? They try to wake Jesus up. You brought us out here. Now look what's happened. And so there are some fishermen in the boat, at least four, possibly seven. Um, James, John, Peter and Andrew were all fishermen. And they know the history of this lake. They know how many lives were lost in on, on this lake. And they have that attitude, don't you even care that we're going to drown? Let's be honest just for a moment. That if you've ever faced a big storm in your life, maybe you have said those same words. Don't you even care? I thought we were going to have a good marriage. Don't you even care? Am I going to be single for the rest of... Don't, don't you even care? I've waited so long to, to fall pregnant. Don't you even care? Retirement, we're going to be the best years of our life. Don't you even care? Now we've got to go through all of that. You see, there are two types of people in this world, aren't there? Those who have gone through storms and those who are going to go through storms. You see, anyone who goes through storms sometimes could look at God just like the disciples did and say, don't you even care? And so here he is in the boat, asleep, the winds raging, the thunders roaring, the waves are coming over the boat, the disciples are afraid. This is a hurricane, you've got to understand, this is a hurricane happening very common, certain times of year, and the Sea of Galilee. These are forced winds, and finally, Jesus wakes up. He wipes the sleep from his eyes, and he says, be still. was it was just like that it was still it was calm and like glass from this incredible storm as if um, the millions of gallons of water that were thrashing over the boat just stopped at the sound of the voice of Elohim God Almighty And you see, let's think about this story just for a moment. That The miracle isn't that the storm stopped. Because let's be honest here, all storms eventually stop, right? Even your storms here on the Gold Coast. <laughs> but the miracle is how the storm stopped. Not eventually. It stopped immediately. And the disciples kind of step back from this and what they're witnessing uh, right in front. They're filled with awe. And they say this, did you? Who is this man? Who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? Great questions, disciples, because there are answers to that. In a great passage in Colossians chapter 1, I'm sure many of you will be familiar with this. It's a great passage. It says this, Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 7. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Press pause there for a moment. Have you got that? 
Because if we don't have that, we can't move on. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything, got it, was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything, how many things? Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. What a powerful passage of Scripture Just while we're on creation, let's come back to creation at the moment. Is that okay? Let's talk about creation because God created the universe ex nihilo. Have you heard of that word before? Ex nihilo. And it's Latin meaning out of nothing. So God spoke this world into existence out of nothing. Wouldn't that be cool? You see, we sometimes say, well, I made this cake from scratch. Well, we know what you mean, but you didn't really. You had ingredients, right, to make that, 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 that cake, right? Or uh, I made this furniture from scratch. Well, we know what you mean, but you didn't. You had materials to make that. And yes, although we can design, yes, we can design, And we do have materials and we can manufacture and things like that. We can't speak things into existence. We can't make things ex nihilo. We can't. (laughs) And as I think about that, wouldn't it be cool? Like, I don't know about your car, um, but it would be kind of cool, wouldn't it? You know, that um, uh, let there be and insert the name of the car that you would like. You know, but but we can't. And so those students are going through exams at the moment, you know, let there be straight A's in my exams. And so we can't. We have to work hard at things like that. And so God, he spoke. God spoke and out of nothing, ex nihilo, he created. That's how great and almighty and capable our God is. So back to the story. Remember the story? The disciples, where are they? They're in a boat. They're with Jesus. Jesus is sleeping. They're afraid. The disciples are afraid. And Jesus gets up. He says, be still, and it's still. And they want to know. They ask the question, who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? You see, their only hope in this moment is for what? Is for divine intervention. And they know who is asleep in this boat. They know. They've been through a lot with him. Did they believe he could calm the storm? I don't know if that was really You know, their question, they simply wanted to survive. They wanted to get out of this storm alive. And so they asked that question, who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? Good question. Now, of course, it's a rhetorical question because Mark doesn't even give an answer to this question. Why? Because there's only one possibility for who this man is. You see, um, only God controls the elements. And if he has the power to control it, to create it. If he has the power to create it, he has the power to control it. And so he is Elohim. Remember? Remember that passage we just read a moment ago? Through him, through him, through whom all things were created, the one who holds all things together, that even the wind and the waves obey him. Now, in our humanness, yeah, let's be honest, let's be honest. 
in our humanness, I think we just forget. When we're going through the storms of our own lives, we forget just how big, how powerful, how almighty that the God of all creation, Elohim, is. And sometimes, sometimes we, we even go, we even do this, don't we? We even shrink God down so he becomes a little bit more manageable. Either that of, a, of a, something on a necklace or a, something on the mantelpiece or in a picture frame or whatever it might be. And sometimes, sometimes we even try to put God in a little box into a little building that we call a church building. And we say, that's where God's alive. That's where God's active. So what do we do? We shrink him down. We shrink him down. And so we don't have to contend with his greatness, with his bigness, with his power. And so he is the God of all creation, that even the wind and the waves obey him. And I want you to know this morning, and I've come with this message to, to you this morning, he is the God that you need in the storms of your life. And some of you, let's be honest, in a room this size, some of you are going through storms right now. And it may not be your boat that is broken today. But it may be a relationship. It may be a family. It may be a heart. It may be a business. So who can calm the storm when your business is upside down? When your personal life is an absolute mess? When the doctor sits on the edge of the bed and says to you, there's nothing else we can do except pray? You see, in moments like that, in storms like that, you don't need a small God, all boxed up. I'm so glad I don't know about you, but in my, in my own finite mind, uh, I, I cannot fully wrap around an infinite God that I'm barely scratching the surface of this majestic God. No matter how much I study, no matter how much I've learnt over the years, and I think there's, there's a key part here. When we're going through storms of life, it's not what I go through that determines where I end up. It's who I listen to that determines where I end up. You see, some of us, maybe, some of us this morning, we're listening um, more to worry than we are to wisdom. We're listening more to grumbling than we are to gratitude. We're listening more to blame then we are to faith. And maybe sometimes it's not necessarily even the first storm that you have to worry about. Sometimes we can't necessarily control that first storm, but many of us create a second storm by certain decisions we make and makes it worse than the first. You see, some storms can even be avoided. Ask Jonah. And so, because um, our problem uh, is, is probably a little bit like the disciples, if you think about it, instead of looking through the storm, we look right at the storm. 
instead of looking at the God of all creation, what do we look at? We look at the wind and the waves instead. And so my point is, is don't shrink Elohim down. Don't shrink him down. And there are a couple of ways that we can respond in our humanness, right, to, to storms. Um, either uh, in, in, in panic or in peace. And the telltale sign when it comes to panic is that we start losing a bit of sleep, don't we? We start to worry about that certain thing. Yet sleeping, sleeping is a statement of faith to God. Saying, God, I'm going to rest well tonight. This is your problem. I, I, I'm physically going to hand this over to you. And I believe that all things are possible with you. And I hand that particular issue or problem to you. The things that are beyond my control are not beyond your control. I think the disciples, as we reflect on that story, the disciples did at least one thing, right? They took their fear to Jesus, good on them. And so it says that uh, Jesus said, why are you so afraid? In the story, he said, why are you so afraid? And so the root of the problem is fear. Yet the solution to the disciples' problem is faith. And so the greatest uh, threat to the disciples on this day was not the storm itself. What Jesus is getting to is it is your unbelief and fear in the midst of the storm. And so the secret of their survival that day was faith. Faith. Jesus rebuked the storm. Yes, we read in the story. He also rebuked the disciples and said, You have little faith. You have little faith. And here's the message that I believe God wants us to hear this morning. That he wants, I didn't put just you, he wants us, he wants us to believe. Why? Here's what happens when we believe. And I, I found it really hard to write something here. Um, it, it affects my everything. That's the only way I could put it. When we believe in him with the faith that he requires from us, it affects my us, it affects our Everything impacts what I do and how I react to the storm. And that's why we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. When the thing you are going through looks impossible, hand it to God. Literally just hand it over to God. With you, God, all things are possible. My trust is in you and in you alone. You see, here's the lesson. Here's the lesson. Let's bring it home. Let's bring the plane into landing this morning. Here's the lesson. The lesson of Jesus in the boat with the disciples in the storm. Jesus is sleeping. It's a faith lesson. It's a faith lesson. He wants to teach his disciples in this moment that he can be trusted in the most threatening of circumstances. Yet, it's not always necessarily how I can get out of this. It's in fact what I can learn from this. Not only that, but what I can pass on from this storm 
in my life. Because there are others who are about to go through a similar storm. You've been there, done that. Let's pass it on the wisdom that comes from the storm that you are in. So the disciples were terrified, yet there was no reason to fear. Here's why. Jesus, team, please come. Yeah, um, Jesus was in the boat. Jesus was in the boat. By the way, can I ask a question? Who was who Jesus? Jesus is Elohim. He was in the boat. When Jesus says to his disciples, we are going to go over, guess what? You are not going to go under. He is in your boat. The application, the application is this. Instead of looking at the storm, come on, there are some of us in a storm here this morning. Look through the storm. Look through the storm to who? To the God of all creation that even the wind and the waves obey him. Let me pray with and for you this morning. Is that okay? Let me pray. And maybe this morning, just in this holy moment, while all the, our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, and, and you sense this morning and you know exactly that this message was for you this morning. And even though I see your hand this morning, God sees your heart. And that's what matters. Would you be willing just to raise, just while all heads are bowed and eyes are closed, let's just enjoy this holy moment together. And for those this morning, say, Steve, would you include me in a, in a prayer? Thank you. Hands are already going up across the auditorium. This is between you and God. Thank you. As I said, I see your hand this morning. God sees your heart. That's all that matters. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Include me just in a little prayer. I'm not going to embarrass anyone. I just want to pray with and for you this morning. Thank you. Thank you. If you're in a storm this morning, come on, let's hand this over. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Father, this morning. I pray with and for my brothers and sisters in the storm. You are clearly with them. You are for them. You love them dearly. You are holding them. I thank you for your word of encouragement to them this morning. Would you allow them to take this word of encouragement and use it and apply it in their situation? Lord, your word is truth. Your word is consistent. You are a good, good father. You are a good, good God. And we invite you and we're sorry if it feels like we've kicked you out of the boat. We invite you into the boat. And maybe that's what some of us need to do. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Be in that boat with me. Thank you for this lesson of Jesus today, a lesson of faith lesson of hope in the midst of the storm. Bring us, I pray, to the full conviction this morning, each of us, 
especially those who have raised their hands here this morning, say, help, help, I'm drowning. Help us come to that full conviction that Jesus is the Son of God, that He is my Savior, that He is the Messiah. And we declare this morning, our faith is in you and in you alone. In Jesus' name.